Chapter Thirty of Zanoni by Edward Bulwer Lytton. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Kirk Ziegler. And I see the steel of murder glitter, and the eye of the murderer glow. Viola was in the prison that opened, not but for those already condemned before adjudged. Since her exile from Zanoni, her very intellect had seemed paralyzed all that beautiful exuberance of fancy which if not the fruits of genius seemed its blossoms all that gust of exquisite thought which zanoni had justly told her flowed with mysteries and subtleties ever new to him the wise one all were gone annihilated the blossom withered the fount dried up from something almost above womanhood she seemed listlessly to sink into something below childhood with the inspirer the inspirations had ceased and in the deserting love genius was also left behind she scarcely comprehended why she had been thus torn from her home and the mechanism of her dull tasks she scarcely knew what meant those kindly groups that struck with exceeding loveliness had gathered round her in prison with mournful looks but with words of comfort she who had been hitherto taught to abhor those whom the law condemns for crime was amazed to hear that beings thus compassionate and tender with cloudless and lofty brows with gallant and gentle mind were the criminals for whom law had no punishment short of death but they the savages gaunt and menacing who had dragged her from her home who had attempted to snatch from her the infant while she clasped it in her arms and laughed fierce scorn at her mute quivering lips they were the chosen citizens the men of virtue the favorites of power the ministries of law such thy black caprices o thou ever-shifting and calumnious human judgment a squalid and yet gay world did the prison houses of that day present there as in the sepulchre to which they led all ranks were cast with an even-handed scorn and yet there the reverence that comes from great emotions restored the nature's first and imperishable and most lovely and most noble law the inequality between man and man there the place was given by the prisoners whether royalists or sanculottes to age to learning to renown to beauty and strength with its own inborn chivalry raised into rank the helpless and the weak the iron sinews of the herculean shoulders made way for the woman and the child the graces of humanity lost elsewhere sought their refuge in the abode of terror and wherefore my child do they bring thee hither asked an old gray-haired priest i cannot guess ah if you know not your offence fear the worst and my child for the infant was still suffered to rest upon her bosom alas young mother they will suffer thy child to live and for this an orphan in the dungeon murmured the accusing heart of viola i have reserved his offspring zanoni even in thought ask not not what i have done with the child i bore thee night came the crowd rushed to the gate to hear the muster roll her name was with the doomed and the old priest better prepared to die but reserved from the death list laid his hands upon her head and blessed her while he wept she heard and wondered but she did not weep with downcast eyes with arms folded on her bosom she bent submissively to the call but now another name was uttered and a man who had pushed rudely past her to gaze or to listen shrieked out in a howl of despair and rage she turned and their eyes met in the distance of time she recognized that hideous aspect nico's face settled back into its devilish sneer at least gentle napolitan the guillotine will unite us oh we shall sleep well our wedding night 
and with a laugh he strode away through the crowd and vanished into his lair she was placed in her gloomy cell to await the morrow but the child was still spared her and she thought it seemed as if conscious of the awful present in their way to the prison it had not moaned or wept it had looked with its clear eyes unshrinking on the gleaming pikes and savage brows of the hussiers and now alone in the dungeon it put its arms round her neck and murmured its indistinct sounds low and sweet as some unknown language of consolation and of heaven and of heaven it was for the murmur the terror melted from her soul upward from the dungeon and the death upward where the happy cherubim chant the mercy of the all-loving whispered at the cherub's voice she fell upon her knees and prayed the despoilers of all that beautifies and hallows life had desecrated the altar and denied the god they had removed from the last hour of their victims the priest the scripture and the cross but faith builds in the dungeon and the lazar house its sublimest shrines and up through roofs of stone that shut out the eye of heaven ascends the ladder where the angels glide to and fro prayer and there in the very cell beside her own the atheist nicot sits stolid amidst the darkness and hugs the thought of danton that death is nothingness his no spectacle of an appalled and perturbed conscience remorse is an echo of a lost virtue and a virtue he never knew had he to live again he would live the same but more terrible than the deathbed of a believing and despairing sinner that blank gloom of apathy that contemplation of the worm and the rat of the carnal house that grim and loathsome nothingness which for his eye falls like a pall over the universe of life still staring into space gnawing his livid lip he looks upon the darkness convinced that darkness is for ever and for ever place there place room yet in your crowded cells another has come to the slaughter-house as the jailer lamp in hand ushered in the stranger the latter touched him and whispered the stranger drew a jewel from his finger diantre how the diamond flashed in a ray of the lamp value each head of your eighty thousand francs and the jewel is worth more than all the jailer paused and the diamond laughed in his dazzled eyes o thou cherubus thou hast mastered all else that seems human that fell employ thou hast no pity no love and no remorse but avarice survives the rest and the foul heart's master serpent swallows up the tribe ha ha crafty stranger thou hast conquered thy tread the gloomy corridor and they arrive at the door where the jailer has placed the fatal mark now to be erased for the prisoner within is to be reprieved to-day the key grates in the lock the door yawns the stranger takes the lamp and enters and viola was in prayer she heard not the opening of the door she saw not the dark shadow that fell across the floor his power his arts were gone but the mystery and the spell known to her simple heart did not desert her in the hours of trial and despair when silence falls as a firework from the sky it would invade when genius withers as a flower on the breath of the icy charnel the hope of a childlike soul wraps the air in light and the innocence unquestioning belief covers the grave with blossoms in the farthest corner of the cell she knelt and the infant as if to imitate what it could not comprehend bent its little limbs and bowed its smiling face and knelt with her also by her side he stood and gazed upon them as the light of the lamp fell calmly on their forms it fell over those clouds of golden hair dishelved parted thrown back from the rapt candid brow 
the dark eyes raised on high where through the human tears a light as from above was mirrored the hands clasped the lips apart the form all animate and holy with the sad serenity of innocence and the touching humility of woman and he heard her voice though it scarcely left her lips the low voice that the heart speaks loud enough for god to hear and if never more to see him o father canst thou not make the love that will not die minister even beyond the grave to his earthly fate canst thou not yet permit it as a living spirit to hover over him a spirit fairer than all his science can conjure o whatever lot be ordained to either grant even though through a thousand ages may roll between us grant when at last purified and regenerate and fitted for the transport of such reunion grant that we may meet once more and for his child it kneels to thee from the dungeon floor to-morrow and whose breast shall cradle it whose hand shall feed whose lips shall pray for its will below its soul thereafter she paused her voice choked with sobs thou viola thou thyself he whom thou hast deserted is here to preserve the mother to the child she started those accents tremulous as her own she started to her feet he was there in all the pride of his unwaning youth and superhuman beauty there in the house of dread and in the hour of travail there image and personation of the love that can pierce the valley of the shadow and can glide the unscathed wanderer from the heaven through the roaring abyss of hell with a cry never perhaps heard before in that gloomy vault a cry of delight and rapture she sprang forward and fell at his feet he bent down to raise her but she slid from his arms he called her by the familiar epithets of the old endearment and she only answered him by sobs wildly passionately he kissed her hands the hem of his garment but voice was gone look up look up i am here i am here to save thee wilt thou deny me thy sweet face truant wouldst thou fly me still fly thee she said at last in a broken voice oh if my thoughts wrong thee oh if my dream an awful dream deceive kneel down with me and pray for our child then springing to her feet with sudden impulse she caught up the infant and placing it in his arms sobbed forth with depreciating and humble tones not for my sake not for mine i did abandon thee but hush said zanoni i know all the thoughts that thy confused and struggling senses can scarcely analyze themselves and see how with a look thy child answers them and in truth the face of that strange infant seemed radiant with a silent and unfathomable joy it seemed as if it recognized the father it clung it forced itself to his breast and there nestling turned its bright clear eyes upon viola and smiled pray for my child said zanoni mournfully the thoughts of souls that would aspire as mine are all prayer and seating himself by her side he began to reveal to her some of the holier secrets of his lofty being he spoke of the sublime and intense faith from which alone the diviner knowledge can arise the faith which seeing the immortal everywhere purifies and exalts that mortal that beholds the glorious ambition that dwells not in the cables and crimes of earth but amidst those solemn wonders that speak not of men but of god of that power to abstract the soul from the clay which gives to the eye of the soul its subtle vision and to the soul's wing an unlimited realm of that pure severe and daring initiation from which the mind emerges as from death into clear perceptions of its kindred with the father principles of life and light so that in its own sense of the beautiful it finds its joy in the serenity of its will its power in its sympathy the youthfulness of the infinite creation of which is an essence and a part 
the secrets that embalm the very clay which they consecrate, and renew the strength of life with the ambrosia of mysterious and celestial sleep. And while he spoke, Viola listened breathless. If she could not comprehend, she no longer dared to distrust. She felt in that enthusiasm, self-deceiving or not, no fiend could lurk. By an intuition, rather than effort of reason, she saw before her, like a starry ocean, the depth and mysterious beauty of the soul which her fears had wronged. Yet when he said, that to this life within life, and above life, he had dreamed to raise her own, the fear of humanity crept over her, and he read in her silence how vain, with all his science, would the dream have been. But now, as he closed, and leaning on his breast, she felt the clasp of his protecting arms, when in one holy kiss the past was forgiven and the present lost. Then there returned to her the sweet and warm hopes of natural life, of the loving woman. He was come to save her. She asked not how. She believed it without a question. They should be at last again united. They would fly afar from those scenes of violence and blood. Their happy Ionian isle, their fearless solitudes, would once more receive them. She laughed with a child's joy as this picture rose up amidst the gloom of the dungeon. Her mind, faithful to its sweet, simple instincts, refused to receive the lofty images that lifted confusedly by it and settled back to its human visions, yet more baseless, of the earthly happiness and tranquil home. Talk not now to me, beloved, talk not more now to me of the past. Thou art here, thou wilt save me. We shall live yet the common happy life. That life with thee is happiness and glory enough to me. Traverse, if thou wilt, in thy pride of soul, the universe. Thy heart again is the universe to mine. I thought but now that I was prepared to die. I see thee, touch thee, and again I know how beautiful a thing is life. See through the grate, the stars are fading from the sky. The morrow will soon be here, the morrow which will open the prison doors. Thou sayest thou canst save me. I will not doubt it now. Oh, let us dwell no more in the cities. I never doubted thee in our lovely isle. No dreams haunted me there except dreams of joy and beauty, and thine eyes made yet more beautiful and joyous the world in waking. Tomorrow. Why do you not smile? Tomorrow is love. Is not tomorrow a blessed word? Cruel! You would punish me still that you would not share my joy. Aha! See our little one! How it laughs to my eyes! I will talk to that. Child, thy father is come back. And taking the infant in her arms and seating herself a little distance, she rocked it to and fro on her bosom and prattled to it, and kissed it between every word, and laughed and wept by fits as if ever and anon she cast over her shoulder her playful, mirthful glance upon the father to whom those fading stars smiled sadly their last farewell. How beautiful she seemed as she thus sat, unconscious of the future, still half a child herself, her child laughing to her laughter, two soft triflers on the brink of the grave. Over her throat, as she bent, fell like a golden cord her redundant hair. It covered her treasure like a veil of light, and the child's little hands put it aside from time to time, to smile through the parted tresses, and then to cover its face and peep and smile again. It were cruel to damp that joy, more cruel still to share it. Viola, said Zanoni at last, dost thou remember that, seated by the cave on the moonlit beach, in our bridal isle, thou once didst ask me for this amulet, the charm of a superstition long vanished from the world, with the creed to which it belonged, it is the last relic of my native land, and my mother on her deathbed placed it round my neck. 
I told thee then I would give it thee on that day, when the laws of our being should become the same. I remember it well. To-morrow it shall be thine. Ah, that dear to-morrow! And gently, laying her child down, for it slept now, she threw herself on his breast, and pointed to the dawn that began to grayly creep along the skies. There, in those horror-breathing walls, the day-star looked through the dismal bars upon three beings, in whom were concentrated whatever is most tender in human ties, whatever is most mysterious in the combinations of the human mind, the sleeping innocence, the trustful affection, that contented with a touch, a breath that can foresee no sorrow, a weary science, that traversing all the secrets of creation, comes at last to death for their solution, and still it clings, as it nears the threshold, to the breast of love. Thus, within, the within, a dungeon, without, the without, stately, with marts and halls, with palaces and temples, revenge and terror, at their dark schemes and counter-schemes, to and fro, upon the tide of the shifting passions, reel the destinies of men and nations, and hard at hand that day-star, waning into space, looked with impartial eye on the church-tower and guillotine. Up springs the blithesome morn. In yon gardens the birds renew their familiar song. The fishes are sporting through the freshening waters of the sine. The gladness of the divine nature, the roar and dissonance of mortal life, awake again. The traitor unbars his windows. The flower-girls troop gaily to their haunts. Busy feet are tramping to the daily drudgeries that revolutions which strike down kings and kaisers leave the same Cain's heritage to the boar. The wagons groan and reel to the mart. Tyranny, up bedtimes, holds its pallid livy. Conspiracy that hath not slept hears the clock and whispers to its own heart. The hour draws near. A group gather, eager-eyed, around the purlieus of the convention hall. Today decides the sovereignty of France about the courts of the tribunal their customary hum and stir no matter what the hazard of the die or who the ruler this day eighty heads shall fall and she slept so sweetly wearied out with joy secure in the presence of the eyes regained she had laughed and wept herself to sleep and still in that slumber there seemed a happy consciousness that the loved was by the lost was found for she smiled and murmured to herself and breathed his name often, and stretched out her arms, and sighed if they touched him not. He gazed upon her as she stood apart, with what emotions it were vain to say. She would wake no more to him. She could not know how dearly the safety of that sleep was purchased, that to-morrow she had so yearned for. It had come at last. How would she greet the eve? Amidst all the exquisite hopes with which love and youth contemplate the future, her eyes had closed. Those hopes still lent their iris colors to her dreams. She would wake to live. To-morrow, and the reign of terror was no more. The prison gates would be opened, and she would go forth with their child into that summer world of light. And he, he turned, and his eye fell upon the child. It was brought awake, and that clear, serious, thoughtful look, which mostly wore, watched him with a solemn steadiness. He bent over and kissed its lips. Nevermore, he murmured, O heritor of love and grief! Nevermore wilt thou see thy visions, nevermore will the light of those eyes be fed by the celestial commune, nevermore can my soul guard from thy pillow the trouble and disease. Not such as I would have vainly shaped it, must be thy lot, in common with thy race, it must be thine to suffer, to struggle, and to err. 
but mild be thy human trials and strong be thy spirit to love and to believe and thus as i gaze upon thee thus may my nature breathe into thine its last and most intense desire may my love for thy mother pass to thee and in thy looks may she hear my spirit and comfort and console her hark they come yes i await ye both beyond the grave the door slowly opened the jailer appeared and through the aperture rushed at the same instant a ray of sunlight it streamed over the fair hushed face of the happy sleeper it played like a smile upon the lips of the child that still mute and steadfast watched the movements of its father at that moment viola muttered in her sleep the day is come the gates are open give me thy hand we will go forth to see how the sunshine plays upon the waters to home beloved one to home again citizen thine hour is come hist she sleeps a moment there it is done thank heaven and still she sleeps he would not kiss lest he should awaken her but gently placed around her neck the amulet that would speak to her hereafter the farewell and promise in that farewell reunion he is at the threshold he turns again and again the door closes he is gone forever she woke at last she gazed round zanoni it is day no answer but the low wail of her child merciful heaven then it was all a dream she tossed back the long tresses that must veil her sight she felt the amulet on her bosom no it was no dream o oh god he is gone she sprang to the door and shrieked aloud the jailer comes my husband my child's father he is gone before thee woman whither speak speak to the guillotine the black door closed again it closed upon the senseless as a lightning flash zanoni's words his sadness the true meaning of his mystic gift the very sacrifice he made for her all became distinct for a moment to her mind and then darkness swept on it like a storm yet darkness which had its light and while she sat there mute rigid voiceless as congealed to stone a vision like a wind glided over the depths within the grim court the judge the jury the accuser and amidst the victims the one dauntless and radiant form thou knowest the danger to the state confess i know and i keep my promise judge i reveal thy doom i know that the anarchy thou callest a state expires with the setting of the sun hark to the tramp without hark to the roar of voices room there ye dead room in hell for robespierre and his crew they hurry into the court the hasty and pale messengers there is confusion and fear and dismay off with the conspirator and to-morrow the woman thou wouldst have saved shall die to-morrow president the steel falls on thee on through the crowded and roaring streets on moves the procession of death ha brave people thou art aroused at last they shall not die death is dethroned robespierre has fallen they rush to the rescue hideous in the tumbril by the side of zanoni raved and gesticulated that form which in his prophetic dreams he had seen his companion at the place of death save us save us howled the atheist nico o brave populace we shall be saved and through the crowd her dark hair streaming wild her eyes flashing fire pressed a female form my clarence she shrieked in the soft southern language native to the ears of viola butcher what hast thou done with clarence her eyes roved over the eager faces of the prisoners she saw not the one she sought thank heaven thank heaven i am not thy murderess nearer and nearer pressed the populace another moment and the deathsman is defrauded o zanoni 
why still upon thy brow the resignation that speaks no hope tramp tramp through the streets dash the armed troop faithful to his orders black henry leads them on tramp tramp over the craven and scattered crowd here flying in disorder there trampled in the mire the shrieking rescuers and amidst them stricken by the sabres of the guard her long hair blood bedabbled lies the italian woman and still upon her writhing lips sits joy as they murmur clarence i have not destroyed thee on to the barrier prone it frowns in the dark air the giant instrument of murder one after one to the glaive another and another and another o oh, mercy o oh, mercy is the bridge between the sun and shade so brief brief as a sigh there there his turn has come do not die yet leave me not behind hear me hear me shrieked the inspired sleeper what and thou smilest still they smiled those pale lips with the smile the place of doom the headsman the horror vanished with that smile all space seemed suffused in eternal sunshine up from the earth he rose he hovered over her a thing of not of matter an idea of joy and light behind heaven opened deeper after deep and the hosts of beauty were seen rank upon rank afar and welcome in a myriad of melodies broke from your choral multitude ye people of the skies welcome o purified by sacrifice and immortal only through the grave this it is to die and radiant amidst the radiant the image stretched forth its arms and murmured to the sleeper companion of eternity this it is to die ho wherefore do they make us signs from the housetops wherefore gather the crowds through the street why sounds the bell why shrieks the tocsin hark to the guns the armed clash fellow captives is there hope for us at last so gasp out the prisoners each to each days wanes evening closes still they press their white faces to the bars and still from window and from housetop they see the smiles of friends waving signals hurrah at last hurrah robespierre is fallen the reign of terror is no more goth hath permitted us to live yes cast thine eyes into the hall where the tyrant and his conclave hearken to the roar without fulfilling the promise of dumas henroy drunk with blood and alcohol reels within and chucks his gory sabre on the floor all is lost wretch thy cowardice hath destroyed us yelled the fierce confinhall as he hurled the coward from the window calm as despair stands the stern saint just the palsied couthon crawls grovelling beneath a table a shot an explosion robespierre would destroy himself the trembling hand has mangled and failed to kill the clock of the hotel de ville strikes the third hour through the battered door along the gloomy passages to the death hall burst the crowd mangled livid blood-stained speechless but not unconscious sits haughty yet in his seat erect the master murderer around him they throng they hoot they execrate their faces gleaming in tossing torches he and not the starry magian the real sorcerer and around his last hours gathered the fiends he raised they drag him forth open thy gates inexorable prison the concierge receives its prey never word again on earth spoke maximilian robespierre pour forth thy thousands and tens of thousands emancipated paris to the place de la revolution rolls the tumbril of the king of terror saint just dumas couthon his companions to the grave 
a woman a childless woman with hoary hair springs to his side thy death makes me drunk with joy he opened his bloodshot eyes descend to hell with the curses of wives and mothers the headsman wrenched the rag from the shattered jaw a shriek the crowd laugh the axe descends amidst the shouts of countless thousands and blackness rushes on thy soul maximilian robespierre so ended the reign of terror daylight in the prison from cell to cell they hurry with the news crowd upon crowd the joyous captives mingled with the very jailers who for fear would fain seem joyous too they stream through the dens and alleys of the grim house they will shortly leave they burst into a cell forgotten since the previous morning they found there a young female sitting upon her wretched bed her arms crossed upon her bosom her face raised upwards the eyes unclosed and a smile of more than serenity of bliss upon her lips even in the riot of their joy they drew back in astonishment and awe never had they seen life so beautiful and as they crept nearer with noiseless feet they saw that the lips breathed not that the repose was of marble that the beauty of the ecstasy were of death they gathered round in silence and lo at her feet there was a young infant who awakened by their tread looked at them steadfastly and with its rosy fingers played with its dead mother's robe an orphan there in a dungeon vault poor one said a female herself apparent and they say the father fell yesterday and now the mother alone in the world what can be its fate the infant smiled fearlessly upon the crowd as the woman spoke thus and the old priest who stood amongst them said gently woman see the orphan smiles the fatherless are the care of god End of chapter thirty recording by Kirk Ziegler, Ogden, Utah, voiceover-solutions.com.